0: So Rafer, Yes, Kristen. We've talked about this thing on the podcast in the past called the Bechtel rule, created yes. by Alison Bechtel, the dykes to watch out for, fun home author, right. feminist comic book writer, uh, smart, smart lady. And I just want you to remind us of what the Bechtel
1: rule is. But I I'm I'm male. <laughs> why would I why would I even know that? I'm familiar I'm familiar with <laughs> I know – I remember the Bechdel rule. It's, it's, it has to do with two women two women on screen, but you'll have to remind me.
0: Okay. So, and, it's, and
1: it's what they're talking about.
0: Okay. It's also called the Bechtel test. So if, if you're passing right. the Bechdel test, that means that you're doing something right. So number one, you're right. You have to have two women on screen. Number two – The women have to actually be in a scene together talking to each other. Right. They have to be talking. They can't just be there stripping at the same time, or one can't be cooking while the other's feeding the babies. They actually have to talk to each other. (laughs) Okay. And then number three, they have to be talking about something other than a man. Right. That's right. Other than than men. That's right. So it can't just be like, Mom, yes, Judy, I'm worried about Dad. Right. Oh, honey, so am I. Or... Sandra, if you don't get your hands off my man, right. oh, yeah, Bubbles, well, he's mine first. So that, yeah. So there you go. That did not pass the Bechtel test. What movie is that test? from, Kristen? 80% of movies. I, I, what is this, that? But
1: particularly like... the one with Bubbles. <laughs> I, I want to I I write the title down, and I want to make sure I see that film.
0: <laughs> oh, well. The reason I'm bringing this up, Rafer, is because this week's offerings really made me think about the Bechtel test. And I was testing each of the movies that were out this week, and I have to say, I was pretty disappointed.
1: I think there is one movie on this list that passes the Bechdel test. Maybe. I think. Well, maybe. <laughs> Sp- in spirit, In spirit, I think it does what you're asking, and I don't think you're giving it enough credit. But we'll we'll get to that.
0: All right. Well, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Kristen Meinzer, producer for The Takeaway.
1: And I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday, and this is Movie Day. The-
0: So we have lots to talk about this week. Let's start off with the most star-packed offering, The Butler, starring Forrest Whitaker, Oprah Winfrey, Lenny Kravitz, Mariah Carey, John Cusack, Robin Williams, Jane Fonda, and pretty much everybody else in
1: Hollywood. This is the one starring Forrest Whitaker as uh, Cecil Gaines, who is a fictionalized version of Eugene Allen, who was an actual White House butler, served at the White House from 52 to 86, yeah, I think. Eisenhower to Reagan. Eisenhower to Reagan. Eight administrations. But it's basically Cecil Gaines uh, watching uh, the changing of America through these very turbulent times, through the civil rights era, uh, through uh, the Black Panther movement, all the way up to the the go-go 80s with Reagan. And he has a son, played by David Oyelowo, and his son is a activist, marches with King, joins the Panthers briefly, while his father is, you know... Looks to be a subservient figure in the White House, and there's some ideological and interpersonal tension resulting from that. And here's a clip.
0: What are you doing, my hard on money, Pop? Are you even in school? I'm trying to change the way you are treated in school. That judge just sent you the 30 days in the county workhouse. You're fit to get killed. If I can't sit at any lunch counter I want, then I might as well be dead.
1: David, we should say, is a fictionalized character. He's yeah. a completely invented character. Uh, the real Butler, the real Eugene Allen, had two sons. One of which fought, <clears throat> excuse me, in in Vietnam. He's in this movie, but David is a is a a fiction. I think the the pinnacle of this movie is the lunch counter scene, the lunch counter sit-ins, uh, mm. where, where David is is staging a, a lunch counter protest with friends, black and white, cross cut with Forrest Whitaker. Laying down fine china and silverware and serving, uh, you know, guests at a White House dinner, it really does a great job. It's very simple, but does a really great job of contrasting the two worlds, the two methods of these two men, these two black men in white America. It's a great scene. That is a great scene. I love that
0: scene, but the look on your face, Raver. What? <laughs> the look on your face says that was the good scene. That
1: was. <laughs> That kind of was that kind of was the good scene, wasn't it? I mean, and the rest of the movie just falls into a lot of very typical biopic Hollywood standard issue uh traps. Um it, it's
0: Forrest Whitaker Gump or Forest Gump Whitaker. It's, totally, it's...
1: It's, totally, it's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. I think if I think if you liked Forrest Gump, you're probably gonna really like the butler. Uh it does the same thing. It's one guy living through all of history, all of the the 60s, which is really the only decade in America that any of us care about anymore. And he lives through it all, sees it all as an eyewitness. It's all wrapped up very tidily in this one man's magical life. Um, I do think this film is more authentic because it's based in fact. It's it's more authentic and maybe a little more urgent than Forrest Gump. You know, clearly Cecil, a black guy in America, is facing problems that Forrest Gump never faced. I think everyone in the film is pretty good I just think the material is very – it's very neat, very tidy. And aside from those fictionalized scenes, it's not very nuanced.
0: I mean I have to say I was really surprised about this because Lee Daniels – when I think of Lee Daniels, I think of him taking risks and doing a lot of edgy movies or indie movies. I mean I think about Monster's Ball. I think about Paperboy, which I loved, which was so genre-breaking and just – Half the world, or maybe even eighty percent of the world, hated that. Movie. I hate. I
1: hate. Well, I, I
0: loved I that movie. Hate,
1: I didn't hate. I thought he was
0: taking so many risks, and I loved that. I, I appreciated he was doing something so completely different. But in this movie, he's not doing anything different. He's not, not doing really. anything unexpected. But but let's talk about Oprah Winfrey. What did you think about Oprah Winfrey?
1: My objection was that um, was that her character was just a little blurry. And it made it hard for her to play that character in a real way. It, you, you, but I think she does a, a decent a decent job in it.
0: Mm-hmm. So to go back to the Bechtel rule, though, I, I love Oprah. You yeah. know I love Oprah. I'm a big Oprah fan. But I just wish that there were other women in the movie,
1: too. Yeah, they're not. They're not, not
0: women in the movie. This no. is really a man's movie about a man and his sons and yeah. male presidents and male yep. butlers and male neighbors. Yep. And Oprah's just the one female, really, in the movie. Pretty much, yeah. um, As much as I love history being told through one person's experience, even if that one person is a man, I'm willing to bet that quite a few people in his life are women, and we don't really see that perspective in this movie. So
1: good date, bad date?
0: um, All of that being said, I thought it was perfectly fine. It's schlocky, it's pat, it's, you know, tidy. But it's also totally enjoyable, and it, it's a piece of candy that you can eat up, and it's delicious. And maybe there's a
1: sweet little message inside there somewhere too. Yeah, so, I think that's not what the movie wanted to be, but <laughs>
0: but I think that's but I think that's what it is. But I, I think, think that's, that's
1: what, yeah. I think you're probably right. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a. Not so great date.
0: I would say this also. A lot of people were crying when I saw it.
1: Oh, boy. Oh, God. The waterworks
0: crying and crying and crying. I completely
1: agree. Lots of laughs, cheers, waterworks. Yeah, you're right. Yeah,
0: cheering and crying. So if you love cheering and crying, it'll give you that Oprah feeling. It'll give you that Forrest Gump feeling. That's right.
1: That's right. Okay, let's see if we can get any cheering and crying out of Jobs, the movie with Ashton Kutcher as Steve Jobs. Kristen, do you want to give us a summary of this? I
0: think this is supposed to be a biopic about Steve Jobs. Right. But The founder of Apple,
1: just in case anyone doesn't know.
0: (laughs) But in a lot of ways, it's actually a biopic about Apple, the company, and not about Steve Jobs. Um, I know that the two are kind of interwoven in lots of ways. sure. But the reason I say that is because I think that this doesn't really focus so much on his character or his story, so much as the character and story of Apple. And True. Um, I mean, we, we do meet Steve Jobs when he is a college kid who's a little bit of a slacker, yeah. and we watch him go all the way through being the CEO of Apple right before he launches, but doesn't actually launch, but right before he launches the iPod. Yes. And here's a clip.
1: You can see what you're working on while you're working on it. Okay, don't you think this this is freedom? This is freedom to create and to do and to build and and as artists, as individuals. Look, Look, you're overreacting. Even if you were developing this for freaks like us, and I doubt you are, nobody wants to buy a computer. Nobody. How does somebody know what they want if they've never even seen it? Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Ashton Kutcher as Steve Jobs. Let's let's talk first, I think, about how we like Ashton Kutcher as Steve Jobs, because there was a lot of buzz around that casting yeah, news. because really the surprised. Tip,
0: Yeah, and, and also, if you see any of the production stills for the movie, and they do any side-by-side photos of him and Steve Jobs, I actually think they do a great job of making him look like Steve Jobs.
1: Sir, especially in his younger years. In, in his later years, too. I actually think he, he works in the scenes where... Steve Jobs you know Steve Jobs is very is you know, very charismatic and you know fresh faced for a lot of the film and you you don't quite realize in the beginning what a savvy ruthless businessman he can be until you see him start to negotiate with people and I actually thought in those scenes where he kind of locks eyes with people and gets really steely and hard Ashton Kutcher was actually quite good. I thought it was in the other scenes that he was not quite as convincing. Well, then what other
0: scenes? There are other scenes in this movie? (laughs) I'm sorry. This movie is all about steely gaze, I'm angry, or I'm giving an inspiring speech about why Apple is revolutionary, changing the game for everybody. You're telling me you're changing the game for everyone. You're giving me another speech about my connection as a human with a machine, but you're not showing me anything. You never show us the iPod.
1: You now never wait. show us. No wait. Did you not like this? Did you not like the scene in the garage uh, set to the 70s rock music? In fact, I think for some weird reason it's set to uh, Joe Walsh's Life's Been Good to Me. They, they set the scene of them creating circuit boards and there are slow motion scenes of them pushing little pieces of transistor circuitry into the motherboard in slow motion. <laughs> that, that didn't do it for you, Kristen? That didn't stir stir your heart and be the knuckles on the back of your neck.
0: You're making me almost cry. I'm I'm so emotionally moved by Mm. all of those circuit boards. No, no. No. And frankly, they missed a lot of opportunities here because this is a a really complicated, interesting guy, and they just kind of allude to some of those things. Like, we know that, for example, and they kind of mention it for half a second early in the movie, that he was adopted and his parents, um, who loved him to death, who raised him to you know, his, adop- oh, you, his adoptive yeah, parents yeah. yeah, his parents were like, oh you like computers? We're going to make sure you get to be in computer clubs. We're going to help you with all this. The parents that he grew up with were so loving loving and nurturing, but he still felt conflicted about it in some, yeah. some ways. And his biological parents, this makes it even worse they decided to keep another kid. They just gave him a adoption. Oh, and the kid they kept Mona Simpson yeah. is a very famous novelist. Yeah, And um, and you know, they don't really talk about that. They just kind no. of allude to it at one moment for like half a sentence. Right. And then another thing, he knocked up his college girlfriend. Right. They have a baby. He refuses to see this child. Right. And then later on in life uh, has a relationship with her once yes. she's a teenager. In the movie, they barely show that. Right. Um. These are really interesting things about a person's life.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think that the film makes a mistake, a, a classic biopic mistake, which is overlooking what may have driven this person personally or overlooking the, the character makeup, the building blocks that went into this person to show us how and why he became the person that we know. And instead... Just giving us a greatest hits playlist of his triumphs and 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 depicting everything as kind of a moment of destiny, you know, as this, I, this and the this music
0: was, tells us that constantly. The music tells us that
1: constantly, constantly. Um, and I feel like this was actually a really really bad bad movie. Um, I thought it was an infomercial, the worst possible infomercial. You feel like every time Jobs does something and creates something. Granted, these are all you know in terms of technology and, and the larger world, these were game changers in many ways. Uh, you know, the 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 Mac, the Apple II, the iPod, all these things. But it you know, this wasn't fire that he invented. This wasn't the wheel that he invented, but I counted in this movie, I think, five standing ovations. And I mean, just Steve Jobs will walk into some place and say, Hey, everybody, introducing, we're going to do this. And everyone stands up and just goes, Nuts. Everyone goes, Ah, oh! and he starts clapping, Yeah. And I just thought, But you haven't even seen the iPod work. He hasn't even, he hasn't even pressed the center button on the wheel. We never not the
0: iPod in the movie. We don't even see it. You do. The iPod you iPod see it.
1: You see it from the back. You see his face reflected in the, in the, oh, the shiny metallic back of the iPod. You don't see it ever
0: work. You don't see it doing no. anything. No, I say an awful, awful date, and to go back to the Bechdel test, no women.
1: No, no, (laughs) no, zero. He gets
0: to screw a woman once. He gets the
1: college girlfriend. And then there's
0: an allusion to his daughter where we see the back of her body while she's taking a nap on the couch. Right,
1: and he does have a wife later on. But who I mean, says these like are. Four words. Yeah, these are. Steve, I mean, Steve,
0: you're awesome. I love you. I'm your wife. Yeah,
1: these are ten second characters. You're right. No women. I, I noticed that when I was when I was putting together the cast list when I was writing my review. I just kind of thought, God, there's not. It's 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 Ashton Kutcher, Josh Gad who plays um, uh, Steve Wozniak, Matthew Modine, Dermot Mulroney, J.K. Simmons. <laughs> it's just all guys, 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 guys. Lucas Haas, guys. So, Fail. Yeah. Fail
0: of the Bechdel test. You're right. Fail and. Fail of a movie date, in my opinion, too. I, just a bad, 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 bad date.
1: I totally agree. S- speaking of men, 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 men on film, tell me, Kristen, because I have not seen it, about paranoia.
0: Ooh, paranoia. Not just men on film, but again, technology. So this is a telecommunications spying, double-crossing suspense thriller Liam Hemsworth plays a 20-something tech-savvy phone genius. His company blackmails him into spying on the competitor. The competing company is headed by Harrison Ford. His own company is headed by Gary Oldman, who I love. And, of course, there is a complicated romance with Amber Heard. Here is a clip. She's one of those Ivy Leaguers, Princeton. Yale, actually. My brothers went.
1: How did you know I went to Yale? I was on Facebook or something.
0: Uh, so much for privacy.
1: Privacy, absolute myth. No such thing.
0: I know you like um, Amber Heard. I know I do. you. I know you like Harrison Ford. I know you like a lot of these people in this movie. And
1: I love crappy movies like this. I love. I love. A, I love a techie, a tech, a techie espionage thriller type movie.
0: And you know what I'm going to say? One thing they get right here is I think they know how to show technology on film. I think a lot of media, oh, okay. a lot of media struggles on how do you do it. Uh, as you mentioned in Jobs, it's like let's just do <laughs> slow motion. People putting together. Pass me boards. that
1: circuit board in slow motion. <laughs> right. Okay. Better. Yeah. So better than that.
0: It's much better than that. They they actually show how people use technology and and but I will say that. They get a lot of other things wrong. I mm. think that they get um, the idea – they constantly call people who live in Brooklyn Bridge and Tunnel and show them coveting Manhattanites because they want to be cool. That which is, is incorrect. Which so hilarious and counter to how New York works. In New York, Brooklyn is actually cool.
1: That is com- – yeah, you're nope, right. That's appalling.
0: Yeah, it's hilarious. All they want to do is go to uh, – the meatpacking district or Hell's Kitchen and go to the clubs. and Screw the meatpacking district. And it's district. like, what is this, 1989? What year is no, this? I was, was going to say, that. was this movie
1: made 15 <laughs> years ago? Come on.
0: <laughs> so they get stuff like that wrong. And uh, so so the, the movie has problems. It's totally fine. It's mostly forgettable. And I have to say that romance, I know you love Amber Heard, but the romance with Amber Heard is just awful. There's no chemistry. It's totally flimsy. And and does not pass the Bechdel test either. Oh,
1: I didn't expect that.
0: I don't think that Amber Heard at any point talks with another female in this movie. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All she does is she has no pants on or she's um, looking longingly or frustratingly at Liam Hemsworth. Well, I'm going to go see that movie.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. So should we talk about uh, an interesting film? I'll let you introduce this one, Kristen, because yeah. you were the one that, uh, that that alerted me to it in the first place. Yeah,
0: it's been getting a lot of buzz. It's a short film directed by Werner Herzog, who we all love.
1: Everyone loves Everyone Werner Herzog. Everyone
0: loves uh, – this is a movie by Werner Herzog. Even Tom ab- Cruise loves Werner about Herzog. About life and death and about technology and the intersection between modernity and humanity – it Very is good. called From One Second to the Next. Here's a clip.
1: I was texting, and I think I was I was reading a text back at the time of the accident because I remember driving, and, like, my head just snapped up when I I saw, you know, the windshield just... glass broke and, and screeching, and my head, you know, it happened in about a second. I mean, I had a thousand thoughts going through my mind. As I started coming to a, a stop... I saw, you know, a body come down from off the top of the, the van. Um, and I just thought, oh, my gosh, what have I done?
0: Again, another movie about technology. This time cellular phones only, not cellular phones in an espionage thriller, cellular phones being used for texting while driving. I have to ask you, Rafer, have you ever
1: texted while driving? I will admit to you that I have. Rafer! Um, but Rafer? Yeah, I know. Um, oh my god, I'm so
0: mad at you now.
1: Well, this movie I have to say really does its job. Um I but w- well, what I should say is I have texted while I have texted while stopped. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So if I'm in traffic waiting, I will I will text. But I also I try I try not I also try not to do even that and I I probably Will not do that any longer (laughs) having seen Werner Herzog's film. Uh, We should say it's essentially a PSA. It's kind of a public service announcement that he did um – I, it, correct, do I have this right? I think he started doing these as as sort of a PSA slash commercials for AT&T.
0: Yeah. He, well, he um, he got hired by AT&T, but then a whole bunch of other cellular carriers came on right. to be partners. It's partly public relations thing like, oh, you should keep using our product. We care about your safety. Yeah. But, these, uh, but this film is going to be used in driver's ed classes all over America now.
1: Oh, that's great. That's interesting. Which
0: um, I have to say, I saw a lot of movies like Blood on the Highway sort of movies with Russian yes. driver's Added as blood a teenager. On the, blood, on the
1: ass, blood on the Asphalt.
0: asphalt? Is like, that what Yeah, it was? <laughs> I'm trying to
1: remember what that – I know it's a famous one. I can't remember what the name of that is, but yeah, okay. <laughs> right.
0: No, only I have to say, those movies, all of us in class just laughed and laughed when those <laughs> movies were playing. They had terrible <laughs> disco music, yeah. and I think they, they would use special effect film things where they would just kind of zoom in and pull out and zoom in and pull out a lot. Right. It was like, oh, no – I never should have driven without a seatbelt. Right. And you're crying and stuff, and, and everyone in the you know, classroom is laughing. But this is nothing to laugh about. This no, movie is so sobering. It profiles four different people who have been affected in some way by text driving um, or texting and driving, however you want to call it.
1: Yeah, both both families of victims and and the uh uh, I guess we'll call them perpetrators, the people, the people who were doing the texting and and killed other people.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's just shocking the way they, kill, like one of the guys, he kills a whole family of Amish people in a
1: yep. buggy. Yeah.
0: Doesn't even see them coming. It's like, how do you not see a buggy coming? Why? Because you're texting. Because you're
1: texting. You've got, I mean, it's, there are two, two people who were the ones who who killed others. Those to me, provide the strongest testimony because I think I, I hate to say this, but I think that most of us, we know, you know, the 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 weepy family of the victims uh, shtick is something that we I think people find very easy to tune out. Mm-hmm. But I think when you hear from someone who is you know looking you in the face and saying. I killed an entire family uh, from just a completely stupid mistake. Not even like driving drunk or doing anything completely, you know, outrageous like that. But texting, something we all do. We're always looking at our cell phone for you know map directions or whatnot or an address. I killed an entire family that way, and now I'm that guy.
0: And I, you know what I think is really interesting, Rafer. Hmm. You paraphrasing him, said, I killed an entire family. What's interesting is he never says that in the movie. The guy you're talking about, the guy who kills the Amish family, he uh-huh, says, okay. He says those people who died as a result of the accident, yeah, those people sh- who – he never says, I killed them. He never actually says, I did that, he, ever. He, and I think it's really interesting because that's showing a whole different complicated level of guilt and complication than the other guy who kills people in the movie, yes. who just is so guilt-ridden and cries yeah. and makes a whole life – of now just doing public service announcements. It's and...
1: true. It's true. I I, I would say, um, if you want to talk about the movie as a movie, I don't think it's exactly you know one of Herzog's better efforts necessarily. It it does to me feel a little manipulative, a little bit like a standard PSA. Um, it, it it does have a bit of a driver's ed feel to it. Um, but I think it's really interesting that the cell phone companies got together and did this. I think it's really interesting that Werner Herzog did it, that he that he you know we always think of Werner Herzog as such a counterculture off the map kind of anti-mainstream guy. Um, and yet here he is doing this thing with these cell phone companies. I think that's cool, and I think it's admirable and um you know, even though i'm so, I'm sort of knocking a little bit of the artistry of the movie, uh it worked. I mean, it completely worked on me. I it really it really did make me feel like yeah, I, I gotta I gotta not do that. <laughs> I gotta really not do that anymore. It's it's available online. You can see it online. Um, uh, it's I think free it's, everywhere. Yeah. yeah, you
0: can just uh, <clears throat> Google Werner Herzog short film or yeah. Werner Herzog texting and driving right, or
1: one second to the next. Yeah, and you'll yeah. find
0: it and. Um, I'd say it's a very effective date and I actually thought it was a lot better than Cave of Forgotten Dreams and some of his other movies that I've seen recently. (laughs) So I would, I I would say it's a very, yeah, it's a good date for what it's trying to be. It'd be
1: a strange date Uh, to take, to take a date on, um, you you and the, you and your iPad (laughs) and your date. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's good. It's worth it's worth seeing.
0: It does not pass the Bechdel test either. (laughs) That's
1: not fair. That's not fair. (laughs) okay let 's talk about let 's talk about what I think will probably be this week 's biggest release, and that is Kick ass Two the sequel to uh, the two thousand and ten movie kick ass This is the sequel uh, the story of of Dave Lazowski, who is a teenager. Uh, I think in Staten Island he uh, decides to become an actual superhero He gets a scuba suit, puts it on. Goes out, calls himself Kick-Ass and starts walloping on people and beating up bad guys. And, of course, things get out of control. He inadvertently creates a super supervillain uh, in in the first film. That villain, played by Christopher Mintz-Plass, is back. Uh, oh, I should say uh, Kick-Ass himself is played by Aaron uh, Johnson. Ta- Taylor Johnson now, I think he calls himself. Um, so this is the, the continuing story. Kind of a lot going on in this movie, a little bit overstuffed. You've got uh, the the increased development of – we'll call him the MF – the villain, the Mother Lover. I was going to call oh, him. Oh, okay. Mother podcast. Lover is good. Wouldn't mother Lover mother is good. Lover. That's that's Mince Plas's character. That's the nickname he gives himself as a supervillain. <laughs> um, uh, Kickass himself, of course, uh, is struggling to become a better superhero, and he's teamed up with Hit Girl, played by Chloe Grace Moretz, who is a uh, she was very young in the first film. She's about fifteen now, uh, and she's going through some struggles of her own in high school. Here's a clip. I want to team up like Batman and Robin.
0: Nobody wants to be
1: Robin. What's wrong with Robin? Would you like Big Daddy's Robin? Okay, Robin wishes he was me. What I'm trying to say is we should be partners. You and me like the dynamic duo. I'm in the NFL, Dave. You play peewee. So train me. I want to walk the walk. and You're the closest thing I know to a real superhero. Now, Kristen, you said that you don't think this film passes the Bechdel test.
0: I don't think the girls – well, there are some conversations uh, that Hit Girl has with other girls. She, You, you alluded to some struggles she was having. One of yes. those struggles is she's just in some ways trying to be a normal teenager. Her yes. guardian, who she loves to death, he's kind of a surrogate father, her guardian – Wants her to give up all the superhero stuff. He believes that Hit Girl was really damaged by being brought up as kind of a violent vigilante prepared and ready to kill anybody if she right. feels like it. And he just wants her to do things like date, go to parties, try right. out for the school dance squad, you know. Right. And so she's trying to do that. And she falls into a group of girls, kind of the mean girls in yep. high school. And – um There is uh, a big conversation about boys and watching music videos and feeling special feelings for boys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And you're right. There are a couple of conversations she has with the Mean Girls that aren't about boys, that are about popularity and looking a certain way. True. Uh, But the vast majority of the movie, uh, the Bechdel test is not being passed. Most of the movie, it's dudes fighting dudes Uh, we have kick-ass sleeping with a girl called, I think, Night Bitch. Night Bitch, yes. Uh, Night Bitch. I like Um, Night Bitch. Of course you do. She's masked (laughs) and she has no clothes on and she'll have sex with you in any toilet right after meeting you.
1: And she wants to keep the mask on.
0: She wants to keep the mask on. Yes, she does. So, of course, you like Night Bitch. uh, But other than that, not a lot of women in this movie. Women are mostly either masked and having sex or non-existent.
1: I, I, I would say that to me, one of the things i loved about this movie was that it really gave hit girl her own character arc her own story uh her own struggle and i felt like the idea that she's struggling between fitting in being popular and being essentially what we all consider a girl quote unquote right and she, as one of the, as one of the mean girls says you know face it twilight channing tatum it's biology bitch <laughs> <laughs> this is who you are. Um, it's a funny line, and uh, you know that she's got these two—I don't know what you'd say—these kind of two competing societal forces, right? One's one's pushing her into Channing Tatum and Twilight. One is pushing her towards the superhero, towards being an independent, strong, you know, uh, self-empowered female. I thought that was really interesting. I thought it was very funny, really well played. I actually found those to be the most compelling scenes in the whole movie.
0: Absolutely. But here's the problem. Not enough of that. There's there's plenty. That should be the whole movie. It's like, you know what? Every time Kick-Ass is on screen, the movie was kind of dragged down. And every time that Hit-Girl's on screen, the movie is so good when she's on screen. And her fighting is fierce. Her character is interesting. Her Evolution is just fun to watch. I wish this movie was just Hit Girl.
1: Uh, okay, I I know what you're saying, but if if Hit, I would say again to this movie to the to defend the movie, if if the movie had any more Hit Girl in it, it would have to be called Hit Girl.
0: I'm fine with that.
1: Well, then you would have had to have a different movie. This is Kick Ass Two. It's not Hit Girl One. It, it's Kick Ass Two.
0: I'm fine with that. Okay, sort of, yeah. That's what I, I think it should have been. I think
1: the rest of the movie is actually really funny, and I think Christopher Mintzplass is hilarious. I love I love when he's picking all his—
0: As Red Miss slash Mother res, Lover.
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, he's, you know, he picks all his—and uh, he's, he's such a believable character because he's a kid, essentially, and he just does stupid stuff that some spoiled rich kid would do. He, he names all his cronies after racist stereotypes like, you know, Genghis Carnage, you know, Mother <laughs> Russia— uh, and I, John Leguizamo plays his his bodyguard. Who says you got to stop with the racist stereotypes? <laughs> and Red Mist says <laughs> archetypes, archetypes. <laughs> um, I thought it was a really good date. I I really liked the movie. I've been having a lot of fun with these. Uh, I I really enjoyed the first one. I love this one. So, so you think I this it. is a great date? I think it's a great date. I mean, I'd say it's the I'd say it's the best date that you're going to get this Friday. Mm. Don't you think? Mm. Mm. Hmm. We'll see. All right.
0: Yeah, well, I wish I wish that it was on DVD and I could just skip to all the Hit Girl chapters. <laughs> That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. About it. If I could just skip to the Hit Girl chapters, perfect date. Those are our movies for the week. Let's get to our trivia question for the- Disappointing.
1: The- disappointing trivia. Oh, well, last, trivia. Week's, last week's trivia week.
0: question in honor of We're the Millers, which was about a drug dealing fake family, uh, we asked a lot of movies, most movies with drug dealers- they're always men. Always men. They're almost always dudes. But at least one movie we could think of had a female drug lord, and we played this clip. You're stupider than you
1: look. If you think I'm the only one who's going to be losing money, those $3 million, you're going to pay for it. Yeah, you too.
0: We asked, who is that drug lord? What movie is that? And who is that, Rafer?
1: That's Salma Hayek, and the movie is Savages. Ah, the beautiful Salma Hayek. And, Boy, and no the, one saw.
0: And thank God you didn't see it. You know what movie <laughs> date listeners don't see it? It's, <laughs> it's a terrible. crap movie. It's just awful. But. Salma Hayek is delicious in it. The movie maybe is the, awful, but the she's problem, great.
1: The problem is, we add, you know, it, maybe, this is, maybe this, does this speak to our influence? We told <laughs> everyone not to go see the movie. Then, <laughs> then they didn't. Then we asked a trivia question about it, and no one saw it. Uh,
0: that means we're doing our job, Rafer.
1: It's a Taylor Kitsch movie. That's why no one saw we're it, because Taylor it. Kitsch is in it.
0: Oh, God. So bad so, so bad. And what's this week's trivia question?
1: All right. This week's trivia question, uh, we're talking about the butler earlier in the podcast and about, we're thinking about servants on film. Um, here is one that I think you may not think of when you think of servants on film. Probably everyone thinks first First thing you're thinking is driving Miss Daisy. But uh, here's a clip of a, of a very different film. In my philosophy, Mr. Ben, a man cannot call himself well contented until he has done all he can to be of service to his employer. Of course, this assumes that one's employer is a superior person, not only in rank or wealth, but in moral stature. If you know that actor and you know that film, give us a call, 5717movies.
0: Or log on to facebook.com slash date podcast.